Okay, guys, so we're going to focus in on lesson 10 today. So I hope everybody's got a study sheet. And uh, we're going to talk about moving beyond the old man. Or for you ladies, old woman, okay? Paul uses the term man. Uh, but it could be either sense, men or women. But basically moving beyond the old you. So what do you think I'm talking about when I say the old you? What, what do you think that's referring to? The old you. What, what did you say, Bruce? I mean, uh, the unsaved you. Okay, is that what you're saying back there, Tim? Sorry, Rob, I called you Bruce. Bruce is over here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about moving beyond... The unsaved you, okay? And I think in some sense that's probably going to be a good lesson today because we, we don't really often hear about what he's about to tell us or the encouragement he's about to give us. Actually, it's a command. Um, well, by the way, why don't we start off there? What's the difference between a command and an encouragement? Anybody know, what's the difference between a command and encouragement? I, it's pretty obvious. What, what's the difference? Oh, okay. All right, so one is a directive, boom. The other is... You can do this if you put, it's kind of moving you in that direction, but you still have a choice, right? So with a command, do you have a choice? Well, I guess, well, yeah, in a sense you do. You can choose not to do the command, but the reality is, is so we're going to look at a command. Now, why is that important? Well, let's take a look at the passage together. We're going to look at verses 17 through 24 of Ephesians 4, and... Uh, this is what Paul writes. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles do, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to focus in, we're actually going to divide this passage into four sections. We're going to see an imperative, first of all, in verse 17. Now, imperative is, what it means is, is a directive. It's telling you something you've got to do. Okay, and then we're going to see what this old life is that he's telling us to get away from. All right, so let's first of all talk about the imperative. 
Paul moves beyond the issue of gifts given to the church to the issue of how we live. So remember, we were just talking about in the first part of Ephesians that Jesus gave gifts. Gifts to the church for a specific reason, for the building up of the church, right? For the building up of the body, all right? Now he's going to move from talking about the gifts to how you and I live. Now, he's going to talk about walking, you know, how we walk. But really, you could also say it's how we live, okay? So the phrase, I testify in the Lord, stresses that he's about to share a command. So this isn't his opinion. What he's going to tell us to do here isn't just his opinion. He's going to tell you what is coming from the Lord. Now, have you ever faced that when you tell somebody to do something and you tell them why they need to do it? You ever had somebody tell you, well, that's just your opinion or those are just your thoughts? You know, I, I have a different way of thinking about this, okay? And that's very prevalent today in our postmodern culture where truth means nothing anymore and your truth is just as important as my truth and even though they may be different, it's okay, it's my truth and you have your truth and we're not going to be guided by any central thing. Well, that's not where Paul's coming from. He's, he's going to tell you, he says, I testify in the Lord, he's going to tell you what comes from Jesus, that is important for you and I as far as how we live our lives. So he's telling his readers to no longer walk or live as the rest of the Gentiles do. So he's saying, I don't want you to walk like the rest of the Gentiles do. Now, who are the Gentiles? Non-Jews. Non That's right, non-Jews, and we're non-Jews, okay? So what he's saying is, I don't want you to walk like the rest of the world. Okay? Now, why would he not bring the Jews into it? Well, because the Jews themselves would be guided by a code of conduct from the law. But are Gentiles guided by a code of conduct from the law? No, they do whatever is culturally acceptable. Okay? So what he's saying is, is he doesn't want you as a believer to live your life or walk your life like the rest of the world is doing, okay? Like the rest of the world is doing. He doesn't want you to go with the flow. And that flow changes, right? I think we're all old enough here to realize, okay, so 50 years ago, or even 40 years ago, 40 years, I can have a better reference, 40 years ago, I would have been 16 then. 40 years ago, things that were not acceptable back then, here we are 40 years later, they're okay now, right? What changed? Culture changed. People changed. What people tolerated changed. Do you understand? So culture is always in flux. And so he's saying, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to live as they do, okay? So here's what we're going to look at now. The second part is what I call the downward spiral of the old life. When you are 
lost and you're living according to that old life, it's always going to be a downward trajectory. It's always going to lead to decline in what you think is okay to ultimately accepting what is not okay. And we're going to talk about that's how Gentile cultures go to. And so he's kind of making reference of that to it here. So starting out, verse 17, he says this, we are told not to live in the futility of the mind. Don't live in the futility of the mind. Now, what do you think he means by futility of the mind? I mean, it's right there in the scripture. So what does that mean? Because we could just blow over that. What does that mean? Okay, your own thoughts. Okay, good, Rob. Okay, uh, Tim says, don't do what you were taught or think is right. Do what God says to do. Okay, so a person who's futile in their mind, what does that mean? Futility of the mind refers to the natural tendency to live according to our natural thinking. It's basically living according to your natural thinking. And, and we sum it up this way, so, and, and someone says, I don't know if I necessarily think that's bad. Well, no, because you have people all the time who will say, well, I just live by my common sense. Ever had somebody say that? Well, you probably have said, they have no common sense. Okay? All right? Meaning, you don't understand what they're thinking. It's like, we're, they don't have any common sense. All right, now, is that a good thing to say that you live by common sense? Because is it possible that common sense may be contrary to what God wants? Is it possible? Yeah, yeah. So he's wanting you, and what he's ultimately saying is, is that that kind of thinking ultimately leads to futility, to where things become futile, okay? Where things become futile. So humanity operates by natural thinking, which is futile. So humanity operates by natural thinking, right? And that changes, doesn't it? If you're not aware of it, just look at the news. Look at how people's attitudes are about things. I mean, you look at it and you're like, man, I can't see how they see that. And then they're like doing it and they're like, it's, they can't see any other way. So it doesn't make any sense. But then again, if you're just going by your natural thinking... To us who are believers who are guided by God's spirit and by his word, of course it's going to look whacked out, crazy, and so forth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's saying, don't live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, running by their natural thoughts, because it's futile. And so then here comes the spiral. When you do that, here's what happens. Those who are living according to feudal thinking have their understanding darkened. They have their understanding darkened. Now, what is it darkened to? What do you think it's darkened to? When he's talking about it's darkened, what do you mean? What do you think he's talking about there? Okay, Bruce says, from away from the things of God, darkened to the things of God. 
okay, because they're operating in the futility of their thinking, they can see it no way than what their thoughts are. They can't see beyond that to who? Yeah, to God, okay? So here it is, the downward spiral, and we're going to see the downward spiral in, another, in a parallel passage I'm going to show you here in a little bit. That downward spiral is, you know, they're operating in their own thinking. It becomes futile. Guess what? Their understanding becomes darkened. Here's what else. Points out that unbelievers are alienated from the life of God. So what happens is now they're operating by their own thinking. It is futile. It's heading them in a nowhere direction. They are darkened in their understanding. And like Bruce said, darkened in their understanding of who God is or the things of God. And so what they end up doing is, is they end up alienating themselves from God. Now, you're probably wondering, how's that possible? How's that possible that they would alienate themselves from God? Well... <clears throat> I want you to think for a moment. Are actions separate from thinking? That's a question I have. Are your actions separate from your thinking? Okay, so Tim says yes. I heard some no's. So, okay, Brute, I mean, uh, Rob. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> Are your actions separate from your thinking? Okay, Rob says he doesn't think so. What you think about determines your actions, okay? Anybody else? Something similar? What is your thought? Yes. Uh, so I control my thinking. Okay. My actions over my thinking. And, you're, and you're, as you said before several times, your thoughts aren't always your own thoughts. That's true, yes. Okay. All right. So, go ahead. But your actions reveal your true self. Yes, your actions reveal your true self. That's good, Bruce. What were you going to say, Lori? I saw your hand in the back. You mean like driving by a Hardee's and pulling in and getting a biscuit? No, I mean like saying, saying something that you shouldn't say. Okay. You know, yeah, uh, driving by a fast food restaurant and pulling in might be an impulse control too, right? Okay, so, no, I, but you're right, Lori. Sorry, I'm just trying to be funny. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. What's that? What did you say, bro? Engage brain before putting mouth in gear. Okay. All right. 
uh, on, on your school wall, okay? That was out near Philly, right? Okay, all right. Anybody else? So the reality is, how do you end up being alienated with your futile thinking, your understanding is darkened? What alienates you from God? Sin. And sin is a direct result of where your minds are. How you're thinking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your darkened understanding. So you end up being alienated from God. Okay, so that's, that's where, I was, where I was going with this. He also states that unbelievers are ignorant of truth. When it talks about them being ignorant, they're ignorant of truth. So folks, here, here's the thing. I like to tell people, it is okay for you and I to be upset with how our culture is moving and decisions that are making. Okay, it's okay to be upset. But don't, you also have to realize that they're operating out of what? Ignorance. If they don't know any better, what do you expect them to do? Do you understand what I'm saying? If they're unbelievers and they're, they're operating by futile thinking, their understanding is darkened, they're alienated from, the, from, from God, the life of God, and now here they are, they're ignorant of the truth, that helps you to understand. Now, now, before you think, oh, man, I am so glad I am who I am and I got it together. Yeah, but the only reason why you got it together is because who came into your life? Jesus. So if you didn't have Jesus, you would be just like them. Yes, that's George Whitfield, as he was walking by the gallows in London, said that. Yes. Yep. The, the story is Whitfield, the great evangelist, of both England and north of, of, of the colonies, when he was walking by a gallows, he saw a guy being led to the gallows to be hung. And Whitfield said famously, there but for the grace of God go I. So meaning, that could be me. Yeah, if it wasn't for God's grace, that could be me. And that is so true, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think it's one thing to be on upset with what you're seeing happening around you, but it's also, let's, let's put it in perspective. They don't know Jesus. Unbelievers are only going to act like who? Unbelievers. So Paul also stresses that they are blind or hardened in their hearts towards God. So they're blind. New King James says blind, the NIV and some of the other modern translations say hardened. They are blind or hardened in their hearts towards God. Well, because they're operating by their own thinking. They, they have darkened understanding. They're ignorant of God's truth. And so therefore, they're, they're blind to God. They, they can't see him. Do you know what I'm saying? Their hearts can't see him. So Paul points out that unbelievers are insensitive concerning their sins. I, I kind of like the way that the New King James put it. I put the word insensitive. Uh, the New King James says, verse 19, that they have, they who being past feeling, past feeling, so they're beyond the point of even 
sensing that anything's wrong anymore. Did you understand? Yeah, Lori, what were you going to say? Callous, yes. It's the, that's another one. Calloused, okay? Insensitive, callous, being past feeling, okay? So he concludes his discussion by pointing out that unbelievers are given over to their desires. Now, he uses the term lewdness. If you look at verse 19, giving over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness. Now, when we see that, we think in terms of sexual. And that could be included in it, but that's not the point here. It's all, you're given over to whatever you want, your uncontrolled desires. Okay? You are given over to your desires. And that's the reality here. Now, I was going to tell you that there's another passage that brings up the same point. It's Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. It's a condemnation passage where Paul condemns the Gentiles. And so let's read it together. It'll be up on the screen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and godhood. So they are without excuse. Because they thought they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Isn't that interesting? We just talked about that. Futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Okay? Sounds like Ephesians, right? Because although they... Excuse me. All right. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Okay? And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds and forfeited animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness, to the loss of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lusts for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. Being filled with, and here's what he's saying is not fitting, unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, 
not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. All right, that's a pretty powerful passage. That's really starting out where? With a knowledge of God, rejecting that, and ending up basically doing whatever you want. Now, the interesting thing to me is this passage in Romans describes exactly what's happening to our culture. When you take away God from the minds of people and they operate in their own thinking, there is a downward spiral where they do everything and anything. Okay? Anything and everything. And so what we see happening, and, and guess what? This is a judgment passage. Paul says they're condemned. So our culture is condemned. And it's only doing what is natural. It's the natural decline of a Gentile culture. And that's what's happening. Now let's get back to Ephesians. What Paul, what Paul is saying in Ephesians is, I don't want you living like that. I don't want you getting caught up in that spiral, that downward trend, because it's not good for you. Now let's stop for a moment. Is it possible for a Christian to get caught up in that downward spiral? Bruce says yes. Would everybody agree with that? I've seen it, you've seen it, right? Where they know better, they've been taught better, and what? They, get they start thinking on their own, start doing their own thing, and, and they kind of head in a wrong direction. And it's always a decline. Now, when I say a decline, it doesn't mean they'd become poor. Some of them have, are quite wealthy. It doesn't mean material blessings are no longer there with you. It just means that you're in a state of spiritual, emotional decline. Okay? Emotional decline. So, here's what I want you to see now. As we continue on, come on here. He's going to talk about the new life, okay? So look with me at verse 20 and 21. So here's what he says about you and I in verse 20 and 21. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So here's what he's going to talk. He's going to talk about the new life. So first of all, Paul points out that they have not learned to live that way in Christ. You haven't learned to live that way in that futile thinking that just goes downward into the spiral where you just go and do whatever you want to do and let the chips fall where they may, and they do, and it has devastating impact on lives. And, and the reality is, is he's saying, you haven't learned that. You as believers haven't learned to live that way. Okay? So... Paul stresses that they learned and responded to the truth of who? Jesus Christ. You're different. That's really the point he's trying to make here. You know, when you ever hear from somebody, oh, everybody does it. Everybody does that. That's the big excuse, right? Everybody does it. That's just normal business practice. You ever heard that one, Bruce? That's just normal business practice. Everybody does that. Yeah, we've got an ex-businessman in the back. You ever heard that before, right, Mike? You, everybody does that. You know, what's the big deal? Everybody's doing that. But you, listen, the big deal is, is that's not who you are. The big deal is, is you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you haven't learned 
to live that way. Quit living that way. Quit living like the world. You have learned and responded to the truth of Jesus. So then that brings us to where he's going to expand on that imperative. We're going to refer back to 17 where he tells us not to live like Gentiles. Well, now from verse 22 to 24, he's going to expand exactly what does that mean. For me to quit living like that, what does that mean? Okay, so here's what he says. First of all, I want you to notice with me verse 22. Here's what he says. You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. So first of all, put off the old life. All right? So Paul is calling us to put off the old way of living as unbelievers. Put it off. Put off the old way. Put off living like an unbeliever. Just quit it. Okay? Just quit it. All right? So then, here's why. The old life was growing corrupt in accordance with our deceitful lusts. If you're living according to the old way, just doing it the way you've always done it, just doing it because that's the way you were taught, according to your thinking or whatever, but it's not what God wants you to do, it's, it's corrupting you. It is corrupting you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's stop living that way, okay? Stop living that way. So what do I do then? Well, verse 23, look at what he says here. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So here, look with me. The reality is, okay, should be God calls us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. So here's the scripture you should know. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Here's what he says. Do not be conformed to this world. Okay, stop. Isn't that the same thing as don't live like the Gentiles do? Do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you will be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So don't be conformed. Whereas what? Where I kind of blend in with everybody else and don't make ruffles and just do, you know, but rather I'm to be transformed by what my mind being renewed, be transformed from the inside out. That word transformed there, metamorphosis. It's the, it's the word we get metamorphosis from. Now metamorphosis, you know what metamorphosis is, right? Butterflies. Think of what? A caterpillar entering into a chrysalis and being what? Transformed from the inside out into what? That butterfly that you're swatting away. You know? The, the reality is, is that that happens by the renewing of your mind. Now, what do you mean the renewing of our minds? Well, again, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And put on the new man. Again, Paul's, this is in his teaching. Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Here he's talking about you putting on the new man, but you're renewed in what? Knowledge. So what is it that renews my mind? Anybody got a clue? Well, it's not just, that's who, that's the instrument who does it, but how does he renew our mind? What does he use to renew our mind? 
He just talked about it here in 10, knowledge. Where do I get knowledge from? Scripture. Psalm 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto your word. That's in Psalm 119. So it's God's word, getting God's word in our lives that renews our thinking. And that allows for the transformation to take place. So, okay, so Paul tells us to put on the new man or the new life. He's telling you, put on the new man. So it's kind of like, I've, I've seen it illustrated. I've, I've, I've been in some sermons where some guys have done this passage and they'll walk out there with an old jacket or something, ratty thing, and they'll talk about putting it off, taking off an old jacket, and then they'll put on a new one, put on the new you, who you are. That, that's basically what he's talking about. So you put off the old you, the way you used to do things, the way you operated before you became a believer, but now you put on the new man. You put on the new person or the new woman that you are in Jesus, okay? So here's what it is. The new life, this new life was created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. For you to be like God. Now we don't talk about that very much anymore, but ultimately you and I are becoming like who? Jesus. How do I do that? Put off the old man. Put off acting, living like the Gentiles. Be renewed and he changes us into who? Like Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like Christ. All right, so then next week he's going to continue on with some more, really talking to us about what the life of a new man is.